Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more information about us, please visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Amen. Well, hi, everybody. So good to be with you. Happy Labor Day weekend. I hope you are getting a little bit of a break from some labor in your life, right? Uh, One of my kids asked me the other day, what is Labor Day? And I was like, well, you know, see, there was this uh, laborers and uh, it's a day out of school, basically. That's what I told him. I, I don't know. It, we Maybe you know, and Wikipedia, Wikipedia that if you don't, but I hope you have a great day tomorrow. We are uh, excited about today, though, and excited about what God's doing in this place. And, and we're in week number nine of a series we've been doing for a number of weeks called Revival Starts Within. And we're actually getting close to the end of the series. Next week, we'll kind of wrap it up. But I want to encourage you to be here next week. Uh, for a lot of reasons, besides Liam, which is going to be amazing to have him here leading worship with us. But we're also going to be sharing some really uh, exciting uh, kind of updates on kind of our future uh, and with what we're doing. And a lot of you know we've been making some adjustments over 2019 to discipleship and small groups around here. And we're starting some of those building blocks uh, this fall. And so uh, we'd love to share all that is going on, and you'll get to hear about ways that you can get uh, plugged into taking new steps in your own faith journey. And so we're going to be talking about that, among other things that are sort of vision kind of oriented to what God's doing in this church. And so next next week is the week to be here. Look at the person next to you right now and just say, I'll see you next week. Here. Just with that little pause here. Um, all right. So the title of today's message is more of God in you, and I want to talk about what happens when you actually have more of God in you. We've been talking about um, this idea for a while of, you know, when more of God comes in us or is in us, something happens and should happen, and this series is obviously about, um, about a belief that we have that God wants to do revival in each person's heart, and that revival begins within us, in everybody's heart and soul. And I just want to read a quote to you uh, on, the, on the subject of revival. In case you're wondering about, what do I mean by the word revival? We sang about revival in a couple songs today. And I just want to read this to you. It's from, a, it's from a, a guy named Arthur Wallace. And he says, revival is, this guy's an old school guy, by the way. And so I love some of his language. We don't really write like this anymore, but I love it. Revival is divine intervention in the normal course of spiritual things. It's God revealing himself to man in awful holiness and irresistible power. It's such a manifest working of God that human personalities are overshadowed and human programs abandoned. It's, the man, it's man retiring into, ba- into the background because God has taken the field. It's the Lord making bare his holy arm and working in extraordinary power on saint and sinner. So revival is actually the work of God that overshadows any human plans or programs. This is us, yes, retiring into the background so God can take the field. And it's when God's work is accelerated. So, for example, let's just say you're praying for a friend and you're hoping they come to know Jesus. You have one friend on your heart and all of a sudden God says, not only will you reach one, but you'll reach ten. It's an accelerated work of the Spirit. It's like where he does more than you expect. Are you with me? And so this is what we've been talking about, right? And, and so we are trying to hope 
for revival because revival is where an accelerated work of the Spirit goes into not only a person but into a group of people in a city, in a country, even around the world in which an accelerated work of the Spirit begins to take over not only the church to awaken it from its slumber but it actually starts to penetrate those who don't believe and they become convicted of their lostness without God and they actually feel conviction and drawn from by the Holy Spirit to himself. Are you with me? And so this is what we've been hoping for is that we we don't want to just live life. We want to see an act of God in our life. We want to see God do something that we can't do. Revival is something that is a work of God, but every great revival is preceded by people who want it. (laughs) It's preceded by people who are praying for it. People who are committed to hoping in Christ, praying for the Spirit to come, to be released in this accelerated fashion. This is This is the conversation I hope you're understanding we're talking about. So today we're reminded of this core hope. Lord, start with me. Revive me. Bring a revival within my own heart. So this is uh, obviously the journey. And I love what God's doing. I I feel like God's doing so many great things. I I was just noticing on our prayer sign-up for our prayer room in August, it was unusually full. (laughs) And I thought it was cool. I mean, we want to see, we feel like a lot of people pray around here. We feel like we have a little bit of, a little bit of a prayer culture here. But we have, we had 105 prayer shifts in August. And that was just really cool. I don't know if we've ever had that many besides a 24-7 month. You know what I mean? When we've done, and so to see that many people throughout the day coming in and praying. And we just, I love what the Lord's doing. I love what the Lord's doing in so many of you. Last week we had four people, you know, let us know that they had, uh, were giving their life to Christ. And, and we're, just, we're just excited about what God's doing. And here's the thing. Uh, I love it. And I just want to keep encouraging you. You know, I told you a few months ago that coming to church should feel like a home game. You guys remember that? It should feel like a home game where you feel, you feel encouraged. I mean, away games, road games in the sports world, that's where you get booed. That's where you get discouraged. That's where you get told that you're no good, right? And, and we don't want you to feel beat up. And I know I've come to church and felt beat up before, and I want you to come to church and feel filled up. Are you with me? And this is a place in which we would say, this is a home, we're at a home game. We're saying, let's keep going. And no matter where you are in your faith journey, no matter if you're on, you know, on, you know, on cloud nine with the wind at your back, where the Spirit of God is just moving in your life, or if you're in a place where I feel like I'm completely spent, I'm struggling, I just want you to know that God looks at every one of us. He says, I can meet you right where you're at, right where you're at, and I have more for you. And it's almost like he's looking at us saying, come on, come on, I want to show you something. <laughs> I have more. And I just want every person to know this is a home game no matter where you're at. You don't have to be, you don't have to be on a spiritual high to experience more of God. You don't have to be on a spirit. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like there's, there's, there's breakthrough no matter where you're at in your journey. So I want to back up just a little bit, remind us of what we've talked about over the last couple months. Um, and I have a few slides for us that I showed you on week number one that we're telling you about where we're going. And now I'm going to show you on week number nine to tell you about a little bit of where we've been. All right. And so uh, we're going to start with this. This is us. All right. This is, this is the human being of you and me. And with that, within each and every one of us, we said if we're really listening to our heart and soul, everyone's heart and soul cries out, longs for more of God. There's a heart and soul within every human being that longs for more 
with their creator. And this is where we began the conversation. And once we begin to explore this desire within us, we start to realize there's some things in our life that feel a little out of whack. And, and we have to, we're going too fast. You remember we had this conversation about we just go too fast and we have to entertain and learn about the ideas of a slowed down spirituality where we can actually start to get a hold of what's happening within our hearts and souls. And once we start to slow down, we start to become more aware of the ways and the rhythms that God has for us, the things that he's designed, the things throughout church history that have been going on for centuries and centuries where people have said, you know, solitude, Sabbath, these things are in the scriptures, ways of people, being people who praise more and worship more, being people who know how to serve. These are the ways and rhythms of people who long for more. We have to live into them. And then in addition to those practices and spiritual ha habits, the Holy Spirit begins to move in new ways in anyone that longs for more of God. And the ways of his spirit within us and upon us become a paramount thing to the person who's longing for more of God. And all of this is happening within us. And this is the journey we're on. And when this is happening and we're pursuing these things, well, more of God begins to fill us. And you remember... When more God fills us up, just like this graphic shows, it start, this is what become, starts to radiate off of us. This is what comes out of us into the world. How many of you guys know that for a lot of us, our days are more like busyness comes off of us? <laughs> or like negativity or anger or frustration or tired. I mean, whatever it is, that's what comes off. When people experience this, they're like, man, are you okay? <laughs> and for, but there is something we can wear almost like clothes where it's more of God that's in us that comes out of us. And the revival, this is, this is where revivals are born. And, and when I say that, the revival of a person is a significant thing. But when God does this kind of work in a group of people, it begins to really impact the world around them. And the larger the group of people, the larger the impact. And, all, and this all begins in the heart and soul of us as human beings deep within you. Proverbs 4.23 says this, some amazing words about the heart. It says, so above all, guard the affections of your, say it with me, guard the affections of your, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellsprings of life. So this is very much a journey of starting within, is it not? So for a few minutes, um, I want to talk about the ways of the Spirit within and upon us, specifically God's presence. And, and we've really talked about that particular topic really for quite consistently for a while here at our church and, and throughout this series. But I, I want to take just a few more minutes and, and today to, to talk about this kind of this last ring that was inside that human image that I showed you. So you can turn in your Bibles if you have one or open your phones if you really want to use your phone or whatever you want to do. Acts chapter 3 is where we're going to be spending a little bit of time. But in Acts chapter 3, um, we have this, you know, amazing scene. Some pretty miraculous things have just happened. Most of us are familiar with Acts 2 if you've been around church any, but if you don't, we actually sang a song about it today. But there's this moment which the Holy Spirit comes upon his people, like tongues of fire, that whole, that whole song we just sang. It comes on his people and in a new way, in a way that they hadn't encountered before, and all sorts of miraculous things start to happen. And in one day, 3,000 people give their life to Jesus, changes the whole city of Jerusalem. This, by the way, is 
revival, <laughs> right? This is when the accelerated work of the Spirit comes upon his people, and then phew, he does something they can't do on their own. And so revival is born in Acts chapter 2, and in Acts 3, something really happens, uh, happens between Peter and John, which you guys all know is disciples of Jesus, uh, and this man they encounter. Uh, so Acts chapter 3, verse 1, I'll just read this. One day, Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer. So there's different prayer periods throughout the day. They were going to the temple to pray at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, uh, he asked them for money. So this is a pretty intelligent spot to kind of sit and ask for money, right? Like people are going to pray. They're feeling kind of spiritual. Hey, can I have some money on your way to go pray to Jesus or pray to God, right? So um, so this is what he's doing. Peter looked straight out of him, at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And of course, he's, expect, he's probably looking down, asking for money. And they say, look at us. He's, he looks up at them, expecting to get something. And so this is what they have for him. Verse 6, then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I'm going to give to you. So, this, by the way, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give away the ending. The greatest thing that Peter and John had ever received was God's presence. You understand that? Like, that's the greatest thing they'd ever received in their life. And Peter is about to do something in this moment. That if you know the story, you already know what's about to happen. But something he had never done before. Jesus had, um, he, he of course had, crucified, been resurrected, he's gone. Every miracle that had happened up to this point, Jesus had been there with them for. You understand that? Like he had been, he had been with them. He's about to pray for something kind of in a period of time, post, if you will, the resurrected Jesus, ascended Jesus, he's gone. And so he's about to do something he hasn't done. This is new territory. I'm sure he's a little worried. He's a little scared. He's about to ask God to do something miraculous. And so in the second half of verse 6, Peter says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. I'll never forget the time when I was driving my little three-year-old Addie to preschool. And we're in the car, and she asks me a question out of the blue. She says, Dad, what's God's favorite color? And I was like, well, daughter, God likes all the colors, which I thought was very witty and theologically accurate, at least likely. And so I was like, he likes all the colors. She said, well, I like pink. And I was like, good, that's good. And then I, I just felt this moment, like she opened the door to God, my three-year-old. I'm going to have this parenting moment. We're going to have this spiritually rich moment. I'm going to open the door even wider. I'm going to ask her this profound question. And I say, hey, Addy, so what do you think about when you think about God? Like, what do you think, what do you, what do you feel like? What do you think about when you think about God? And that's just kind of this weird question. And she goes, um, again, I'm, I'm expecting, you know, out of the mouths of babes, right? And she says something actually quite profound. She says, mm, well, he heals owies. And I was like, well, actually, she said, he fixes owies. And I was like, that's actually pretty profound. Like, God is healer, Right? And so here we go. Let me just keep reading this number seven. Jesus Christ walked, and then he says this, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went 
with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who had been, who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So here he is, the guy, the God who heals always, right? God's presence was this given to this man from Peter and John. And here's the thing. This isn't a message about healing. This is a message about God's presence. But I will say this. We've seen some healings in our church. And even a couple of weeks ago, we got to see Karen share her testimony of her healing. It was amazing. And we know that people can be healed physically. We also know that people can be uh, healed um, emotionally and, and in other ways. I mean, God is good, and that's what he wants to give us, is he wants to give us good things. Amen? And the same God that was with Peter and John is the same God with us. And what inspires me deeply about the story, although healing stories are always really cool, what inspires me deeply is more about what happens with God's presence. They learn that they can actually give away God's presence. It was a gift. They, what I do have, I'm going to give to you. God's spirit was within them and upon them, and they can share. <laughs> we can actually walk through life and give away God's presence. Now, this is actually a quite, quite a deep thought, is it not? This is, this is something that takes a little bit of us, even who've walked with Jesus for some time, to go, I, that sounds really nice in a message, sort of like a little one-liner, but let me, let me just like really process that. Like, how do I give away God's presence? Now, a lot of us would think, well, by just being a good person, by doing nice things, by doing the good work of Jesus. And I think that those things are certainly part of it, but giving away God's presence should leave a person praising God instead of thanking you. you. You see what I'm saying? Like the guy, his ankles become strong. He stands up and what does he start doing immediately? Praising God. And when we give away his presence, it has a spiritual sort of supernatural impact on the person that's receiving it. And it becomes more about them and the Lord than anything that you did. So we have to be open to being a vessel for God to do things in us that we can't do, right? So what do I mean? You know that you can, and this is just a simple way, this is just something that we start with, but we can pray for people and expect prayers to be answered. Um, You know, we can trust that God wants to do things and people like provide for people, heal people, set people free from addiction. Um, You know, God prints can answer prayers. Someone wants a husband. Someone wants a wife. Someone, someone needs prayer in their marriage. We can pray for these things. And, 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 and here's the thing that's interesting about that, because when I say pray for someone else, that sounds so unusual. But do you know one of the most very, one of the most normal things in the world is right now, especially in our country? It's prayer. Over 80% of adults pray. They're not even necessarily Christian, but they pray. Prayer is one of the most common things. More people pray than just about anything else in the world. They pray regularly, too. So here's what they don't do. They don't necessarily pray with others. They pray by themselves in most cases. So whenever you say, hey, you come aware of a need, you become aware of a struggle, you become aware that something's going on in someone else's life, and you say, hey, is it okay if I pray for you? Prayer is not unusual, just so you know, for most people. It may be unusual for someone to offer to prayer, but maybe instead of it seeing it unusual, you would see this as this is an opportunity for me to open up a door to the kingdom for this person through something they're actually already familiar with, prayer. We think it's unfamiliar to them, but it's actually familiar because they ask God for things. They pray for God and their needs. 
And so the power of God's presence, though, it's not something that just happens. I just want to say this. It's not something that we just wish into existence. It's not just that moment when we hear that someone has a need and we say, oh, let me pray for you and just expect it all to happen. It's not like Popeye's making a chicken sandwich and expecting it to compete with Chick-fil-A. Come on. Those things just don't happen. Anybody, are we aware of the Chick-fil-A, Popeye controversy? So here's the thing. I would just say this about that. Um, you can't just make a sandwich one day and expect to be on top of the mountain the next. You know what I'm saying? You got to put the work in, Popeyes. Don't expect me to leave my first love because you just showed up with something. And here's what I'm just saying about that. Can I get an amen? Um, so here's why I'm bringing this up because I'm obviously kidding, but seriously, I think I have a point. There's a lead up to Acts 3, is there not? He didn't just show up thinking, well, let's just give this thing a shot. Walk. (laughs) He didn't just show up and hope that it happened. There was a lead up to Acts 3 where God's presence was working within Peter and John that made him prepared for that moment and have the faith to believe that God was with him. There was something that led to that moment. We can't just wish for breakthrough. We have to prepare for breakthrough. He had an intimacy with the Father that led him into that moment to where he was ready to give away what he had. I'm going to go to a passage in 1 Samuel chapter 17. This is David and Goliath. Uh, we know the scene, right? And Israelites are lined up on one side. The Philistines are lined up on another side of the valley. And, you know, there's this kind of this epic moment every day where where Goliath walks out and challenges any man from Israel to come and fight him. And, of course, Saul and the other men of his army, they, they line up every day, and then they run away in fear. And uh, then David shows up, young, possibly a little zealous, a little too faithful for the moment, right? And uh, he sees these warriors shrinking in fear, and this is what he says to the king at the time, which his name was Saul, verse 32, 1 Samuel chapter 17, uh, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. So Saul immediately tells him he cannot do it. How many times in life when we feel like led into a faithful moment, does someone look at us and say, you're crazy? (laughs) People are quick to dismiss faith and call it crazy. Doesn't mean that faith won't be a hard challenge. It doesn't mean that you won't have to believe longer than you feel like you should have to believe for that breakthrough to come. But just because someone calls you crazy doesn't mean God didn't say it. Verse 34, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep from his flock, I went after it, struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul then said to David, 
go. <laughs> the Lord God be with you. Say what? You killed a lion and a bear? <laughs> you got this. Several years ago, I heard uh, Pastor Bill Johnson speak about this message or this passage, and I, and, and I spoke about this actually probably about five years ago, and I was thinking, I always, you know, I was wondering, you know, how many people would remember this? Because um, there's like probably 50 of you there that were there then, and I figured, well, they pretty much remember everything I say, so um, at risk of repeating myself from five years ago uh, and repeating something I heard from someone else from five years ago, I'm going to go ahead and just act like most of you don't know what I'm about to say. It's so good, and it was one of those things that sort of rocked me when I heard it. Um, but most of us know where the story goes on from this reading, right? Of course, David, unarmed, uh, young, um, just physically overmatched, inexperienced. He, he, of course, slays the giant in an instant. But David did say something rather important whenever he was talking to Saul, did he not? He says, I don't know if you know this, Saul, but I kill a lion and a bear. <laughs> and to which I think the writer forgot to put in verse 36 when Saul actually replied, say what? <laughs> Um, but first of all, the geographical reality, this is just sidebar note because this is the way my mind thinks. I went, there's lions and bears in Israel? And so I looked it up. There used to be, um, but no more. Fun fact of the day for you. Um, and so anyway, what's more fascinating than that, though, is a teenager, right, by himself kills a lion and a bear. No one was around. No one was looking. He was all alone. And sometimes the tough work has to happen when no one is looking. <laughs> there was a, you know, athlete. This is true in athlete, athlete, athletics. There you go, right? I mean, you, you see the Instagram post where it's like putting in the work, relentless, no one in the gym, you know what I mean? Shooting the shots all by myself, just someone in the, over there in the shadows, I'm by myself filming me. <laughs> <laughs> But there's truth in it. Like, you have to work, right, when no one's looking to be ready for the big shot. So I want you to catch this. And here's the Bill Johnson quote that rocked me. And when he talks about this passage, he says, sometimes you have to kill the lion and the bear in private before God will use you to slay the giant in public. Meaning there's a lot of work that has to be done to prepare you for the moments of breakthrough that involve others. You know, a lot happened within Peter and John when no one was looking that prepared them for the moment with that man at the temple gate. You know, God often, listen to this, God often, but not exclusively, but God often works through prayers of those people that know him in prayer. <laughs> that I'm not saying he doesn't hear the cries of all people, whether it be your first prayer or your millionth prayer. But the breakthrough we so often long for is accompanied usually by people who know, to get, who know how to get on their knees and pray when no one else is looking. People who know how to seek his presence and sit in praise. When you read the words of the Psalms, David starts every, almost every one of them with some word of praise. He knows his presence. He knows that when he walks throughout his daily life, God's presence is with him. And my guess is, is 
moment in Acts 3 would not have happened with the man at the temple gate had Peter not been prepared for that moment. I want you to imagine it's almost like Peter had been spending so much time, probably when no one else was looking, building up a reservoir, a reservoir, right, of God's presence with him. That when the moment came, it was so easy for him to share it because he had so much with him. And when he said, well, I don't have any silver or gold, but what I do have, I can give it to you because I got plenty of it. How many times have we said already in this series, when there is more of God in you, it will come bursting out of you into the atmosphere? I love how the story continues to unfold in Acts where uh, Peter, <laughs> this, this miracle, by the way, in Acts 3, like for several chapters, it becomes the story. And and, and they don't know what to do with it because now all of a sudden they thought they had put Jesus to death and now here are these guys and they're doing the same things that Jesus was doing. They're like, all the Jewish leaders are freaking out. And so Acts 5, it starts like this. You can go ahead and put that up. I think I have Acts 5. Do I have it? Yeah. As a result. As a result of what? <laughs> the miracle that had happened in Acts 3 and the things that had occurred after that. As a result... People brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least, get this, this is crazy, so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. So this is crazy. They're just like, if Peter's shadow touches you, you might get healed. I mean, God is just like too creative sometimes, I would think. Like, this, this is just nuts, this story right here. But this is what happens. This is what happens when someone walks into this world, walks through this world with God's presence thick on their life. They change the environment around them. They change the room when they walk in, walk in it. They change the neighborhood when they move in. Perhaps... Maybe more simply said, more of God in you means more of God in this world. Because when God's presence is in you, you have to understand what we said at the very beginning. The work that he wants to do, it's, it's man fading into the background and God taking the field. It's not you it's God in you. It's his presence in you. And it's not just all about miracles, although those are amazing. It's about, like I said, the start of every psalm. God, I praise you. God, you're good. Your love endures forever. God, I can't do life without you. My heart cries out for you. I long for more. I thirst for more. I hunger for more. Most of us would love to have a story of God doing something unexplainable in our life, wouldn't we? We'd love to have that story to tell. We'd love to have a story that's amazing to talk about what God did. And, and you know what? I believe we can all have that story, but here's what I know. Here's what I've come to learn at least. And I'll just add this. Every great story like that has a backstory. <laughs> There's always 
something behind that great breakthrough moment where God's presence comes out of someone in amazing ways. Now, I'm not discounting the times that he moves and no matter what we do, but I feel like what I see most consistently is there's usually a story of a person longing for more of God where more of God usually ends up coming out of them in a miraculous way. That's the backstory of Peter and John. That's the backstory of David. That's the backstory of all the stories you hear where it's like, how does that happen to them? And how does that happen to them? Almost, most consistently, God works through people that know him in prayer. Because we start to know the heart of God and there's a reservoir building within us, a wellspring of living water to where when someone needs something, we can offer it to to them like a cold drink of water. I want you to be encouraged today. (laughs) It's a home game. Keep praying more. Keep praising more. Keep stepping deeper into the ways and the rhythms. They are not empty. They're full of life. But I will say this, when you're reading God's word, (laughs) there will be days when you're like, what did that do for me? And I want to say, whenever you're reading God's word and you're feeding on God's presence and you're feeding on the truth in his word, just remember that sometimes there's some meals that they just got the job done. They weren't exhilarating experiences. They fed you and you lived another day. (laughs) There's sometimes it's gonna be like, mind blown, right? And there's sometimes it's just like, hmm, that was satisfying. I wanna keep encouraging today. What's the story behind the story for you? What's happening when no one else is looking? What's happening? And I don't mean that just from a standpoint of what's the thing that you need to kill (laughs) that's happening when no one's looking. Like some of us have things we need to get rid of, but I'm also talking about what's the thing that needs to be present in your life. There's a thing about absence and presence. Sometimes there's some things that are absent in our life that need to be present. And sometimes there's things that are present in our life that need to be absent. Are you with me? And maybe that's where you need to sort that out today. What's present in your life that needs to be absent? What's absent in your life that needs to be present. All right, would you pray with me? I want to pray for you. I want to give you a moment to pray for yourself. What's the story that's brewing in you that only you and the Lord know? What's the story that only you and the Lord know? When no one is around you, what's your life like with the Lord? What do you want to have? What do you want to get rid of? For some of us, I believe he wants you to hear today that you need the lion and the bear, so to speak. It represents the thing that you need to get rid of. It's the thing that you need to, if you will, kill the work of the enemy that he's been doing within you in private so he can use you in a new way. And for some, he's just saying, keep coming. Come on, let's go build the reservoir. So what's that thing that needs to be present? What's that thing that needs to be absent? Maybe just spend a moment right now and ask him, 
to show you. Ask him to show you something right now. Lord, what do I need to be present in my life? What needs to be absent? How do I seek more of your presence? start to hear stuff, to just start to just take that in and say, Lord, maybe you just start praying now, Lord, I just want more of you. I do want to have a heart that hungers and thirsts. Maybe as you say that and pray that, you may feel led to just even posture yourself uh, in a way that just says, Lord, I want to receive more. So that may be standing, that may be kneeling, that may be putting your hands in front of you to just posture your own physical self to say, Lord, I want to receive more. I want to have that reservoir. I want to be able to share your presence. I want to walk through life with your presence, Father. stop even when I don't see that you're working even when I don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop no no you never stop no well, father we uh <laughs> we do ask for more and Lord we do we 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 ask that that God, as we seek more of you, the Father, you would be faithful to show us more of you, and that God, you would be generous, and that you would be kind to, to us. But not because we deserve it or we've earned it, but that Father, because we just uh, we want to be closer to you. We want to we want you to draw near, and we want you to just uh, show us, Father 
more of yourself. And so, Father, I pray that we would have a heart that wants to give away your presence, uh, not as a place of wanting to earn any favor, but, Father, that we can help people and open doors to people that they would not thank us, but, Lord, that they would praise you. And so, Father, we pray that, Father, more and more people around us would start to praise you more with their life. That, Father, the presence that that surrounds us, that's in us, that comes out of us, that, Father, it starts changing the atmosphere, that, Father, it starts changing our workplace, our neighborhoods, our homes, and, Father, our city. We ask, Father, for revival, yes, in our city and in our land, but, Lord, we know that that's only by the work of your power and your spirit, and so, Lord, we ask your power and your spirit to have its way. And so, God, I pray for each and every one of us, that, Father, we are encouraged today, that we're not discouraged, that we're not, we're not, we're not confused, but that there's clarity today, Father. I pray that your your Holy Spirit will bring clarity in this room, that, Father, you desire each and every one of us, no matter where we are in our journey, to turn our attention to you and to lovingly and humbly ask for more of your presence in our life. So, Father, right now we do that. May the things that need to be absent in our life, may they be absent. And may the things that need to be present in our life May they be present. We pray this, Father, over this church body in your name. Amen. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.